Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. Tried to hold her seat, pulled it out for her, and she said, I did it wrong. Now, now we need money for more comfortable chairs up here. <laughs> you know, I got to be honest with you. Uh, you know, <laughs> she says I did the chair wrong. Uh, it made me... I know you're just playing. It just makes me laugh because, you know, there's those times when you used to open up the doors and all that kind of thing, and you just kind of get comfortable, and you stop doing those little romantic things, and it, it goes without fail. You know, you go out to eat with somebody, and, and then you walk out to your cars, and then it's like that other couple, he opens the door for her, and I'm like, oh. And I know in the back of my mind, I'm going to hear it, I'm going to hear it, I'm going to hear it, and sure enough, well, he opened the door for her. <laughs> and you're older. <laughs> That's right, I'm older. You should be opening for me. <laughs> well, hey, welcome to week number two of our series called Relationship Rehab. And so our desire and our intent is just to really just talk about relationships. And, and obviously you realize that relationships, there is no relationship that is not without the ability to be helped to be better and our relationships really range from a very wide scope right personal marriage family friendships and so this is week number two and as interesting as last week was we said that last week was on romance and the interesting thing about the check in the box romance statement was all revolving around a husband and wife or a man and woman growing together spiritually isn't that interesting how we as individuals, maybe, maybe it's more towards women, I would imagine, but that they look at that as being a means of romance, of just leading and growing and having a relationship based upon a relationship growing in God, right? Now, this week, this week is in regards to friendships. And this one really, to be honest with you, surprised me. It surprised me all the questions that came in per- pertaining to this particular topic. You know, when it comes to friendships, I, I would have thought, well, there might have been a question about this and about that and, you know, just kind of wide and, and vast, but they were all the same. And this was the number one, the most uh, slips of paper and questions that were asked, and they were co- questions pertaining, how do I help influence friendships in regards to an unbeliever or how do we grow in helping those that we have friendships with in the relationship with God and so let me give you a couple different questions and again I just kind of capsulize these in a few different uh, talk points but number one is how do I help others to have a faith or a faith walk or grow in their faith Another one was, I'm a new believer, and I have some unsaved friends or unbelieving friends that tend to be a bad influence in my life. Friends, uh, another question was, you know, I'm, I'm a believer, but I have friends that pressure me into the life that I'm trying to leave behind. Another question was, how do I stay strong with coworkers that are non-Christians and they're always constantly bringing me down? And then a last one was, in regards to friendships, 
I have friendships that I notice that their relationships are toxic. Their life's a mess. How do I help them? Like I said, that just really, one, it blessed me as a pastor that there is the spiritual insight, the, the intuitiveness as a church body to ask these questions. Because as a pastor, that, those are the questions that I so desire to get uh, worked within the church. And so, man, I'm excited to, to dive into this one. So the first one that I'm going to just uh, dive into is in regards to the workplace. How do I help somebody in the workplace? Or how do I deal with relationships in the workplace when I'm trying to be a believer and they're unbelievers and they're always trying to bring me down? Well, the Bible says this. It says that we're in the world, but we're not of the world. Now, many say, well, what does that mean, in the world? What it means is that there are those people that are followers of Christ and have a lifestyle that lines up with being a follower of Christ. And then there is the unbelieving person that is not a follower of Christ. And their life and their lifestyle looks like an entirely different picture, right? So God says, you're in the world, but you don't have to be like the world. And for that matter, when you talk about the workplace, you realize that Jesus came to earth to work. His work was to come and save humanity. And did you know that Jesus was not exempt for this very thing that we're talking about? Because Jesus was always trying to be brought down. And the ones that tried to bring them down oftentimes were the religious leaders. And the reason that they tried to bring them, bring Jesus down was because their life did not look like what Jesus' did. But they were the church people, right? And so again, if Jesus was not exempt from those kind of relationships within the workplace, don't think you'll be. If it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for you. And what I mean by if Jesus was able to get through those relationships and stand strong then you're able to do the same thing, and Jesus is the example. When you talk about relationships at work or just going to work every day, it made me think of back in the day when I moved here, I got a job with Anderson Windows, and so we're starting a church and doing all this stuff, and I'm going in working every day, Monday through Friday, you know, 8 in the morning, you're there. And so there's all kinds of girls in the office. I mean, there's probably about 10 of us in the sales office there. And I mean, guys in the back working and just everybody coming around. And it's just people that don't go to church. And here I am, the one that's starting a church, living for God. And oftentimes, I just was the example. I would go there every day. I wasn't preaching at them or preaching to them, but I was just living my life in front of them. And the thing they would always say about me when I think back is they would call me Smiley. I had a couple nicknames, but one of them was Smiley. (laughs) And so it was because they're like, you're always happy. You're always smiling. And then the guys would say, well, do you ever have like a bad day? Ever. Ever have a bad, ever get mad at somebody? And I'm like, well, sure I do. (laughs) I'm like, well, sure. (laughs) I'm like, doesn't everybody? (laughs) I was just like, well, yeah. But that was what they saw in me. And I wasn't trying to do it, but it was the light that was in me that they were seeing. Mm -hmm. And so in the Bible, it says over in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, it says, you are the light, and it says, Christ to the world. Mm -hmm. So you're the light to others, and so we have to be that example no matter what. And you may have some bad days, but you ought to have more good days than bad days. And as they see that example, 
they'll want to know what what's in you that's causing you to be that way. Right. So, so what do you do in order to be the light? Well, one thing that we've got a purpose to do is have a kingdom perspective. Again, you're in the world, but you're not of the world. What does that mean? When you go to work, your workplace is not just a place for you to make money. Your workplace becomes a ministry. All those people that don't know Jesus, that's why you're there is because you are the light in the darkness. You're the one that is to set the example. You are the one that's to be able to share with them the love of God in practical ways. Why are you so happy? I'm glad you asked. I just know Jesus. Oh, you're one of them. I guess so, but that's why I smile, right? And so you are the one that can make the difference. It's simply a matter of having a kingdom perspective, knowing that there's more to the bigger picture as to why I'm here. And if you find yourself being people trying to bring you down, oftentimes that they just don't like you being so happy. Misery likes company. If I can make you miserable, then I'm happy, right? All right, so number two. Number two, how do I uh, deal with this in the workplace? How do I become the light? Number two, purpose to be full. Be full of what? Be full of the word and full of the spirit. What does that mean? If I'll go to, uh, if I'll have a personal time with God where I'm spending time in the word of God, I'm beginning to be full of who he is on the inside. His voice becomes very clear. I become acquainted with him because I'm purposing to read the Bible. Reading the Bible gives me the opportunity to come to know him, not just know about him. The second part is being full of the spirit, being prayed up. If I'm full, then when I go to work, I've got something to give, right? If I'm full, there's something that's bubbling over. You think about a a, a sponge. If you put a sponge in a bucket of Coca-Cola, what happens to that sponge? What does it get full of? Coca-Cola. If I start to squeeze the sponge, what comes out of the sponge? Coca-Cola. Well, if you're full of God and the work environment starts to squeeze you, what's going to come out? God, love, patience, kindness, light. And if you'll go to the workplace being empty, they'll eat you up. They'll beat you down and you'll go home with your tail between your legs. And so in that environment, if you're going to be the light, if you're going to be an influence to those that you work with, you're going to have to purpose to be full. You think it's kind of like, do you have a, a light, like a dimmer switch on any of the lights in your home? We have those on our lights. Mm-hmm. But when we were thinking about this or going over it, I'm like, that's like a dimmer switch. Mm-hmm. The light, there's all measures of the light that's in people. You've probably been around people that have a little bit of light and then more light and that the power is in that dimmer switch Mm -hmm. to how much light you're going to see. It can be real low and it can gradually get up and where it's a bright light. We're the same way. That power is the word and prayer. Mm -hmm. And the more that's in us, the more that our light is going to be out to those around us. Right. Jesus, he was the same way. Everybody thinks, oh, well, he was Jesus. He was the son of God. He was the son of man. Even though he was God, 
he was still 100% man. And the Bible tells us that he would go away to spend time with God. Why? Every time he would go away to spend time with his father, he was getting full, right? And so if we're going to be like Jesus, notice what he says. In Matthew chapter 5, this is number 3 to that point of how do I help people in the workplace. Matthew chapter 5 verse 44, it says, but I say to you, now this is Jesus talking to you. So if Jesus is talking, then we ought to pay attention. He says, now there's going to be some struggles that come. There are going to be people in your workplace that try to bring you down. There's going to be, oh, aunt so-and-so, she's going to be this ugly and critical. She's going to try to bring you down. So what do you do? Jesus says this, but I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those that hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Come on, if you're not full, you're not going to pray for them. If you're not full, you're not going to love them. You're not going to bless them. You're not going to do good for them, right? Come on, you catch me on off day. Listen, I'm a pastor. You catch me on an off day where I'm not full, you might just see an ugly side of me. Because I'm human. We all leak, right? And so even if you're a pastor or a preacher, you've got to stay full. So when we stay full, we purpose to become the light. And that is the way that we begin to stay strong in those work environments where people begin to try to bring you down. Number two, the question was, was how do I help friends grow in their walk of faith? How do I help those friends? Number one, maybe they're friends that are, are not Christians. Maybe they're unbelievers. And so therefore, I'm trying to help them come to a place of knowing Jesus. Here's the thing. Everyone is in the place that they're at because of the choices that they make. Right? I mean, we can try to sugarcoat it. We can dance around it. We can give this reason, that excuse. But the bottom line is, wherever we're at, we are where we're at based upon the choices that we've made. And therefore, people that want help seek help. Right? So if somebody's really wanting to know Jesus... Your light ought to cause something to begin to bubble up on the inside of them because of your influence. But don't think that you're going to doctor fill them and make them change. It's not going to happen. Well, if I just tell them what they're doing wrong, if I just point some things out, listen, you can be a right fighter all day long and still be wrong, right? You've got a purpose to say, okay, God, I'm going to be a vessel that you can use. What can I do to help those individuals? Number one, you can love them. The number one thing that you can do is love somebody that is unlovable, right? Number two, I can pray for them. Lord, I'm praying for that person because they don't know you. They might be as ugly as ugly can be, but if they die, they go to hell. And no ugly person is worthy or worth going to hell because God sent Jesus to die for every last person. Now, realize that kind of rubs on our humanity a little bit because we'd say, well, they deserve to go to hell. (laughs) You know what I mean? But Jesus died for the worst of the worst. And so what do we do? We can pray for them. Number two, I can be the example. Just like my wife said, when she was in the workplace, people say, why are you always smiling? Why are you so happy? 
because there's a light on the inside. I remember I was in McDonald's one time, and this older gentleman, I think he was in his 80s, he came up to me. He says, hey, he says, uh, there's something about you. He said, I just noticed that you just smile the whole time. He said, why are you so happy? I said, well, you know, life is good. He said, well, that's good. That's a great perspective. And I said, well, what about you? And he started sharing a little bit. And so he, he started telling me how he prepared life, and it just turned into this how God is, or, or, uh, life has been good, I've done well, I've got retirement, so on and so forth. And I thought, what an opportunity. I said, well, sir, I said, you talked about preparing for retirement. I said, that's good. I said, but one of the reasons why I'm so happy is because I've prepared for eternity. I said, what about you? I said, do you know where you would end up? Would you be in heaven if you were to die right now? He said, oh, yes, I do. Well, that's why we saw each other and were drawn to one another because he was a believer. But I thought, well, here's a great opportunity just to check. See, what was I doing? I was purposing to be the example. Not Dr. Phelan, not preaching at him, just being an example. And that purposes or that will help compel people to be drawn to the light. Other ways you can do so is by sharing your story. How do I share my story? Just giving God glory. People say, why are you so happy? Because I know I'm going to heaven. Man, it seems like you're so blessed. Man, God is good. Man, your kids, they're so well behaved. Yeah, I beat them. No, no, we go to church. (laughs) We take our kids to church. You know what I'm saying? You share your story of how God has been good. And then lastly, if you got the opportunity, just become a mentor to somebody. If somebody begins to be drawn to you, you can just simply say, hey, I'd love just to share with you a little bit. Go to McDonald's, go to Starbucks, have a coffee. And just have the opportunity just to share little bit by little bit, little nuggets. And before you'll know it, they will find, you'll find that they're drawn to what's on the inside of you and they want to become like you. And it's simply because you're being an example. All right? The next one is uh, in regards to a new believer. If I'm a new believer and I've got unsaved friends, those that have, have not come to know Jesus yet, I'm finding it difficult that those people become bad influences in my life. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I receive Christ. I become a follower of Christ. But before I received Christ, man, I hung out with some rough dudes. And they're still yeah. part of my life. <laughs> yeah. They're still a part I've of my life. pictures. <laughs> <laughs> That's scary when people that where once your friends, they put pictures of you on Facebook and you can't control it. It's like, don't show that. That was, that was 30 years ago, but no. So, <laughs> in regards to understanding that there are people that can become bad influences on you, that's encouraging to me as a pastor because that means that you have the clarity to identify that. You have clarity to say that there were behaviors, there were conversations, there was vocabulary, there were habits, there were environments that I once was a part of, but something on the inside is just scratching and says, I don't feel comfortable in that place anymore. And those people that I once hung around seem to always start pulling on me to go backwards rather than going forward. Now, there are those that would say, well, you know, we live in progressive times. We've found out that, you know, there's such all this tolerance. Things have changed. 
you know what? We can try to muddy the water. We can try to justify. We can try to reason. We can try to split hairs. We can say, you know, does it really say that in the Bible? Verbatim, does it say those words? Listen, one of the things that I've found is that when it comes to Christian living, the worst of the worst sinner can say, you know what? There's a standard of a believer. You don't have to say, well, woulda, coulda, shoulda, or you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do That's not what Christianity is, is, is about. It's about following Christ. But when you follow Christ, there are some things that just start to change on the inside where I don't want to be in the darkness anymore. I want to come over into the light. Come on, y'all tracking with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17 says this. It says, so come out from among them. Come out from unbelievers and separate or sever yourselves from them, says the Lord. And touch not any unclean thing, then I will receive you kindly and treat you with favor. So what does that tell me? It tells me that God makes a distinction. He identifies that there is a definite and a distinct line that this side is what a believer looks like, a follower of Christ. There's this side of the line that represents an unbeliever or a person that's not following Christ. And he says, you can identify that. When you identify that, he says, purpose to separate yourself from it. Come on, are you tracking with me? If you can identify that, then you can begin to understand the difference. Now, here's the thing. Jesus spent his life with sinners. Right? See, we get on this soapbox in church and say, well, we got to be holier than thou. Listen, we've got to be able to reach the lost. We've got to be able to have relationships with them. And Jesus was more about the sinner than any person ever was. But he didn't let the behavior of the sinner compromise his behavior or his conduct. He was the influencer, even though he purposed to be around the sinner. Why? Because he loved them. But he didn't let what was in the unbeliever to compromise him. What's another way of saying that? You can hang with the turkeys, but if you hang with the turkeys, you'll never soar with the eagles. Right? There's a scripture that says, iron sharpens iron. So in other words, if there's people of quality, I want to hang around those people because they make me better. There's also a scripture, or not a scripture, but a, a, a proverb that says this. It says, like begets like. What does that mean? If you hang around certain individuals, you'll become like them. Right? And so God is saying, learn how to separate yourself or bring distance. And one of the best ways that I can, can, can share that in an example is just my personal life. She said that I ran with some rough fellas. They weren't rough. They just were, they just were rough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> some were. Some, some were. And, and we did things that Christian boys don't do. And all the while that I was doing them, I never tried to be a Christian example because I'm thinking, well, what am I going to do? Because I'm doing what they're doing. But as time went on and God began to work with my heart, And as I began to change, I began to notice that almost by, just by osmosis, those relationships began to change. 
And one of my best friends still to this day is one of those high school buddies. I mean, we're like brothers. If we see each other, I mean, it's just like picking up on old times. Whenever we leave from one another, whenever we send a text or whenever we have a conversation, and it's, it's far and few in between. But still to this day, 30 years later, when I say goodbye to that friend, I say, hey, man, love you. He'll say, hey, I love you too, bud. And we'll hang up the phone. Why? Because of the relationship that we had. We're still close. I still love that guy. But one of the things that I've noticed is that because there's not common ground, our relationship is really surfacy. We can be around each other at specific times and do certain things, but I'm not going where he's going, and he's surely not going where I'm going, right? There's just a natural separation. Why? Because we're just in different places. And so I'm purposing to be a light. I'm purposing in those times just to share my faith and share my heart. As I said, you can't hang with the turkeys and soar with the eagles. One of the things that you'll notice about individuals that go to rehab, you know, they go to rehab to get clean from and find freedom in those things in their life, right? And they'll come out of rehab being free, conquering the thing that had them enslaved. You know, one of the number one things that causes a person to relapse is getting around the old environments the old friends, the old neighborhood. You hang around the wrong people, you hang around the wrong influences, it's going to impact you. So just know that you're a light, but just be careful. If you begin to understand that they're starting to pull you down, they're starting to influence you in a derogatory or a negative way, purpose to put separation there so that you can stand strong and grow in your faith. Amen? So we're being the light no matter what. Made me think of my kids. Um, my daughter sometimes when she comes home, you know, they start acting certain ways. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So I'll ask her, who did you hang around yeah, today? Right. And she has no idea why I'm asking. I'm like, who did you hang around? Who did you eat lunch with? Well, the reason I'm asking is because I want to know who you ha- are mm-hmm. hanging around because I don't like the way you're acting. <laughs> well, it's the same way as adults. We go and hang around those people. But when you look over in the scriptures, it talks about this very thing over in Matthew chapter 5. I'm going to read it off my phone here. Oh, it went down or went all the way back up. Let me get Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. As you're searching for that, I'll just share a real quick scripture. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 26, verse 11, it says, As a dog returns to its own vomit, so fools repeats his folly. Now, if you've got a dog, and if you've ever saw that experience, I mean, it's like, Oh my gosh, how, how can you do that? What, what thing goes back to its own vomit and eats it, right? It's gross. But God says, nice picture yeah, of mine. <laughs> God says as ignorant and gross as that is, he says a foolish person goes back to the old life and gets entrapped in it again. We're not purposing to be foolish. We're purposing to stand strong and follow God. But it says here, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good deeds and your moral excellence and recognize and honor and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So right there it says that people will glorify God just by seeing how we act or what what things we do in our life. Gives honor to God or it doesn't. Hmm. That's the Bible. Right. 
And so it's, it's pretty important who we hang around because it's who we become or those old friends. It's really important to our sanity and us living for God in the manner that we want to, almost to put a divider, bring up a wall or a divider. You know what? I'm going to do it just to a degree, and then I'm not. I'm not going to keep going, and I'm not going to do this with you, but I'll go here with you. Maybe we can go to lunch. So sometimes you just have to change what mm-hmm. you do with that friend right. to be able to do it. Right. And, and the, the moral compass. Here's the thing, too, just bringing that idea into the influences in your life. When it comes to church, do you realize that sometimes within church there can be a false sense of security in the people that you associate with? Meaning, well, they go to church. I see them on Sunday. Well, they must be just desiring to grow with God because I'm here. Well, you realize there's all kinds of degrees. Just as she said concerning that dimmer switch, there are those, the Bible says, having a form of godliness but denying the power. The, the reason that a light is dimmer is because that dimmer, or the light is dim, is because that dimmer switch is restricting the power whether it's down or whether it's up. And to the degree that that switch is open is what releases the power. Well, not everybody in church is desiring for God to move in their life. Not everybody in church is desiring to have a, a relationship that's fervent with God. And so even within church, you've got to be careful. Does that make sense? Because there's sheep or there's wolves in sheep's clothing. I, I've shared the story before, but I said, man, my dad, he protected me from the wrong guys in church when I was a teenager. You're not hanging out with that dude. Come on, daddy, go to church. Nope, you're not. I, I got his number. I, no, come on, daddy's in the youth group. God, dad says, nope, I, I know exactly what kind of guy he is. He protected me because he had the ability to perceive what kind of individual that he is. And again, Everything reproduces after its own kind. That saying that says like begets like. If you're in church, have you ever noticed there's those people that gravitate? Hey, I like golfing. I like hunting. I like fishing. I like. And so therefore, if you have a personal lifestyle, even in the context of church, there's going to be, become a gravity of people that are drawn to likes. If there's a group of people within a church, and this happens. I'm not speaking about this church per se. I'm saying in the kingdom of God, in church, there are groups of people that go to church, have the form of godliness, but deny the power. And therefore, we start gravitating towards one another. And what ends up happening? I begin to find myself being like, acting like, And being around those people. And if the moral compass isn't sound, a group of people can find security within a group of people. Why? Because if you're doing what I'm doing, everything's good. I don't have to feel guilty because you're doing the same thing. And it's an unspoken bond that we have here because we're doing it together. Does that make sense? You know, uh, if, if you're doing what I'm doing, In fact, have you ever noticed that, well, I'll say it this way. In that setting, it will stay very closed. Why does it stay closed? Because anybody from outside is going to come in and see where there's light or the lack thereof. Does that make sense? And so that means, well, if it's us four and no more, then we keep it to ourselves. Does that make sense? And so be careful. 
purpose to surround yourself with people that are strong, that are healthy, that are desiring to grow spiritually with you. Don't let somebody say to you, now be careful. Now again, we're dealing with real life here, right? Does that make sense? You going to love me even if I say something real strong? <laughs> like, what are you going to say? <laughs> <I heard it>. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever, have you ever experienced this before? Be careful what you put on Facebook, because you don't want anybody to see. Just be careful. Be selective in what you do when you show something. Well, why would anybody ever say that to you? Why would somebody say, "Don't show that on Facebook"? Be careful how you take a picture. Because there's something in the moral compass that is saying, hmm, something just don't feel right. Right? Let your light shine. Let yourself follow God. Let yourself be passionate in your pursuit for God so that you lead people to the light rather than keeping them bound in darkness and enslaved to the snares of this life. Because God wants you to be free. And if you need to separate yourself from those individuals that say, well, listen, we'll do it this way. Listen, just say, I'm not going to partake of that anymore because I'm choosing to be free. Amen. Come on, are you with me today? It's getting quiet in here. (laughs) Now you say, well, pastor, you're getting into that area where you're saying life or Christianity is about do's and don'ts and can't do this, can't. Listen, you can muddy the waters all you want. And that's not what God's about. He's not about saying, well, you can't do this or do that. But there's something that immediately begins to change on the inside. The moment I receive Christ, something begins to say, I want more. I don't want that old life. I don't want to be bound. And there might be some things in your life that you're saying, I'm really stuck. This really has a hold on me, and I didn't realize it. Listen, God has given grace for that very thing. God's not up there saying, well, you're doing it, you're messing up. He's given you grace, and grace is God's empowerment to be free from the thing that you don't think you can do yourself. So the next time you might find, now again, I don't know your story, but you might be sitting there thinking, dear God, I don't want to be watching pornography, but it's just got a hold on me. Then in the midst of watching pornography, you say, God, thank you that I'm free. I give you praise. You're saying, praise God while you're watching pornography. Praise him for the freedom of setting you free because you're a child of God. That substance that might have a hold on you. Those relationships. God, thank you that the grace of God is empowering me to be free right now. I don't have to continue in that lifestyle. I don't have to continue to be hooked and tortured and tormented. Why? Because God wants you to be free. Amen? You may say, this is a tough conversation. Listen, I'm not trying to be hard, beat anybody up. I just want you to know God wants you free. And God wants you to be the light. And he wants you to have strong, healthy relationships. Amen? How many of you know when you go to rehab, they don't always tell you what you want to hear? How many of you ever went to marriage counseling? When you went to marriage counseling, they talked about you rather than your spouse. I don't want to talk about me. I want to talk about my spouse. (laughs) Right? I hope that you hear my heart. I truly hope that you hear my heart because God loves us so much. He doesn't want us to be ensnared with a crutch. He don't want us to live this life of having vices. 
He wants us to be a light and be the example of what it means to be free. And when we do that, that's when relationships are strong, healthy, and whole. That's when we make a difference. That's when we change the landscape. That's when marriages change. Amen? Why don't we stand? If you recall, I made this statement last week in regards to marriages and relationships. God said in Ephesians chapter 5, He said, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself for it. He says, Wives, you honor and respect your husbands. We said that in regards to a husband and wife, he gave man the responsibility to love the wife. He spoke to a woman that oftentimes can choose to be independent and says, here's the way that you can be accountable. But that is a spiritual component of a husband and wife. Some of those things that we talked about in regards to being free... Those are the flesh elements of our life. If I refuse to address the flesh elements and surrender them to Jesus, I'll never be able to do the spiritual element and love my wife because I'll always be controlled by my flesh. I didn't say that I'm perfect. I didn't say that I'm not making mistakes. But when I purpose to surrender my flesh my emotions, those things that seem to be an anchor that hold me down over here. If I'll say, God, not only do I receive you as my Lord and Savior, but God, I make you the Lord of my life and I lay it at your feet. And I choose not to be dominated by the flesh man, the desires of my natural man, but I give it to you. It's only then that I truly begin to step over here and by faith love my wife. The same thing with her. As a woman, the Bible says that part of that curse of the law is that a woman oftentimes will wrestle with the man to say, I want to be independent. Don't you tell me what to do. I'll do my own thing. And in fact, I don't want to respect you or honor you. Well, if she struggles in the natural side of man and doesn't surrender that to God, she'll have a difficult time doing the spiritual thing when it comes to this relationship. Does that make sense? So what we talked about today is so bigger, so broad. It's about coming to a place of having relationships that are healthy and whole, marriages that are strong, and having the ability to change our world. Amen. Now, hopefully you'll come back next Sunday. <laughs> I ain't going back there. <laughs> I didn't pay for that session of rehab, and I'm certainly not going back. <laughs> all right, I'm going to pray. And since I went long, they're just going to play us out. Is that all right? Okay, you pray, honey. Oh, I pray. So you're being independent right now. <laughs> you're not doing what I asked you to do. <laughs>
Ah, <laughs> oh, Father, we thank you. God, we thank you that we're still an imperfect work that you're working on. God, we, we don't think that we all have it together. God, we're, we're working out the rough edges. We're learning how to submit ourselves to you. And God, we just want to know you more. God, I'm so grateful that our church is becoming aware and asking the right questions of how do we walk in this relationship with God and not get pulled back to the old life, but live a life of being free. God, that encourages me. And I'm so thankful because that means that, God, you're working. And so, God, we don't stand in condemnation, nor do you. You're not up there simply saying, I'm going to slap you upside the head and beat you down. No, you love us so much that you want us to be free. You want us to have strong marriages, strong relationships. You want us to be the light. And so, God, I thank you that we're growing and we're taking it one step at a time. And one day at a time, we're purposing to say, God, I give it to you. I surrender my flesh. And I ask you to help me conquer these things. And we give you all the thanks and all the praise in Jesus' name. And everyone say, Amen. Subscribe to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites, which can be found at our website, gvchurch.tv. We know that today's message has been a blessing to you. Thanks for listening. We are Genesee Valley Church, loving God, loving people, and loving life.